Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Andy Dufresne in Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption. I know several preachers who will acknowledge that they often end up preaching the sermon that they themselves most need to hear. I am one of those. Last week I hit some kind of wall in lots of ways. So I was thankful to God and the lectionary for being forced to dive into Luke's account of the risen Christ on the road to Emmaus. Both Luke's Gospel and the book of Acts are written to Theophilus, which in the Greek means friend of God. This could be an actual person or an ideal reader. Side note, I know an actual Theophilus. My Uncle Harold's middle name is Theophilus, and he was indeed a friend of God. He's probably been regaling God and the angels with his corny jokes for many years. But we fall into that second category of ideal reader based on Luke's audience, likely Gentile and likely already Christian, believers in the faith. In the story itself, two disciples, Cleopas and another who is unnamed, are walking the seven-mile road from Jerusalem to Emmaus following the crucifixion of Jesus. We learn that they are talking about what they had experienced. The identity of the second disciple is interesting. Unnamed and unsexed, could it be Cleopas's wife? In that particular region of Israel, tradition holds that it was, in fact, Cleopas' wife, Mary. And in John's Gospel, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, is present at the foot of the cross with the other women and the beloved disciple. So on the morning of the resurrection, it is Mary Magdalene who first sees the risen Christ and runs to tell the apostles. I'm pretty sure that she also told the other women who were among them. I can easily see that Mary convincing this Mary that Jesus was indeed risen from the dead. And it follows that on their way back home from Jerusalem, Cleopas and Mary would naturally be discussing all that had happened. Perhaps Mary is trying to convince Cleopas that all is not lost, that they still have hope in the knowledge that Jesus is risen. But Cleopas isn't buying it. It seems that we too have lost some of our hope. We had hoped that this crisis wouldn't last more than a couple of weeks. We had hoped that none of our folks would suffer from this virus. We had hoped that Deacon Linda would be returning to us soon. We had hoped that summer camp would go on. 
hoped that we would be able to share the Eucharist again soon. We had hoped. When a stranger, Jesus incognito, comes to them on the road, Cleopas shows us how he really feels in verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They had hoped that Jesus was the true Messiah who would sweep away the oppressors with great power. They had hoped that they might have some important role to play in that process. They had hoped. But then Jesus was betrayed, handed over, crucified, and buried. The disciples, including Heliopolis, were left feeling shocked, afraid, sad, and hopeless. The couple continues to share the road with this stranger as they walk along. And as they walk, the stranger reveals himself to them through the scriptures. When they come to Emmaus, Jesus pretends to be heading on down the road, but I believe he really wants to stay with this couple, to remain in community with them. After all, he has something else to share with them. Cleopas might have lost his hope, but he hadn't lost his Middle Eastern manners. In the true spirit of hospitality, Cleopas and Mary urged Jesus, still incognito, to stay with them for the evening and join them in a meal. At the table, Jesus does exactly what he had done at the Last Supper. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. It is in this sacrament, this act of communion, that Jesus is recognized, that their eyes are opened. Later, they remembered that as he had spoken to them on the road, they felt a presence warming their hearts and stirring their souls. In these strange days of isolation and separation, I pray that we can find hope in remembering the blessing not only of the big S sacraments of our baptism and Holy Eucharist, but also in the blessing of the little S sacraments. Those moments with family or friends on the phone or online. Those moments when we encounter others if we venture out. Those moments when we are alone with our thoughts and prayers. Cleopas's hope returned when he invited the risen Christ into his home and his life. In an essay on the holiness of Jesus, Bishop Stephen Charles Neal, a 20th century missionary and teacher, wrote, Finally, the holiness of Jesus is related to hope. Hope in the Bible bears no relationship to the shallow optimism which men often call by that name. It is always related to the faithfulness of God. God has created. 
and he has not forsaken the works of his hands. Jesus is not dismayed by all that he sees of evil and failure in the world, since his assurance is deeply founded in the faithfulness of God. And since he maintains an unalterable faith in what the almightiness of God can achieve with even the poorest of materials. In a few moments, we will hear the words of Eucharistic Prayer C. Deliver us from the presumption of coming to this table for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. We need solace and pardon always, and we receive it through grace. But right now, we need strength and renewal more. That is where our hope lies, in the truth of the almighty faithfulness of God and in the presence of the risen Christ in our hearts. For if, as Paul writes, Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we of all people are most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised, so all will be made alive in Christ. Let us be patient. Let us be strong. Let us keep the eyes of our faith open to the many sacraments we still can receive. For we live in hope. And hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things. Amen. <laughs>